Greetings, friends, and welcome to the Gospel Underground Podcast. This is episode 22, Don't Know Much About History. I am broadcasting live, well, live for me, from the Power of Change remote world headquarters here in Rathen, Germany. That's right, friends, this is our first broadcast from around the world. I'm here in Germany, finishing up a wonderful uh, trip that I was able to take with Casey, my bride. Been married a little over 22 years, and we had a retreat with all the leaders uh, from the Acts 29 church planting networks around the world here in Berlin, Germany. It was such a great uh, few days uh, to reflect on the scripture together, to pray, to seek the Lord's face, and rest and rejuvenate as a global church planting family. It was wonderful uh, on the way from the airport to our hotel. I was uh, able to spend time with a brother from Nigeria, uh, who I soon realized was a brother from a different mother. Uh, we had the love for football, although not the same teams. Um, and it's just been a wonderful time with folks from as far afield as Australia, of course, North America, Africa, Asia, Europe, uh, South America, Central America, all together here to seek the Lord. It was a wonderful time with that crew. And then uh, on the backside of that, you know, my wife and I are kind of in a national park uh, in the what was the former East Germany on the eastern side of now the unified Germany, enjoying just a couple of days of rest and relaxation. Well, while in Germany here, a couple things took place. First, we went on a walking tour of Berlin with a graduate student at Humboldt University, graduate student in history, who is a graduate of the uh, California University at Berkeley, University of California at Berkeley. Shout out to the Bears. And it was just a fascinating time looking at all the rich history of pre-unification Germany, the unification into the first kind of German Empire, 1871, and then all that took place between the First World War and the Second World War and all the various spots around Berlin relevant to that varied and rich and terrible uh, history in that city. But a fascinating five-hour uh, walking tour took us to the Brandenburg Gate, the Berlin Wall, uh, Museum Island, all these fascinating sites, and even a parking lot where they paved over the bunker of Adolf Hitler. Uh, it is not a tourist site. They do have it marked simply for uh, notification. But it's interesting. Nothing is celebrated from that time. In fact, one of the most uh, uh, striking things is that all the museums dedicated to World War II or the Holocaust uh, are free um, so that there will be no profiting or money taking from that history and certainly sobering walking through the Holocaust Memorial uh, here in Germany, uh, reflecting back on just the brokenness and wickedness in the hearts of people. Uh, the wages of sin is death. Uh, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is the teaching of Scripture. But to see it lived out on such a grand and systematized scale is just uh, shocking. Another thing while here, Casey and I are listening to a podcast called Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. And it happened to be about uh, Japan leading up to the Second World War. And so I figured I'd jump on here and do a little podcast from around the world uh, on history, why history matters so much and why we should engage in historical reflection as we look at our own time 
and the times ahead. I've titled uh, our topic today, Don't Know Much About History. Of course, that is the knockoff of the 1960 Sam Cooke song that my mom sang to me, I believe, in my cradle. Because <laughs> I remember her singing, Don't Know Much About History. Don't know much biology, you know, that kind of ditty uh, growing up. And so that, of course, is somewhat of a love song, I suppose. But this podcast is why we should grow in our own love affair with history and reflection upon the past. And I have a few things I'd like to share today. It's not going to be a long uh, gospel underground uh, journey uh, by any means, but I do think important. So I want to give you first a few um, uh, reasons why history is important and then uh, move on to the ways we might learn history. Um, obviously, you're in school. Hey, study it. One of my kids, uh, my oldest, may major in it. We'll see. Um, and then I want to end with a longish reviewish, a longish reviewish. In other words, I want to recommend some historical works that have been such a blessing to me over the past decade. Um, as the Lord has led me many, in, into many books uh, in many epochs and eras of history. But first of all, the importance of history. First, number one, the past came from somewhere. One of the things that uh, contemporary people, whatever you want to call us, people alive today, it, it's this strange human phenomenon to kind of imagine as if we're the only people who ever lived or the only people that mattered when, in fact, billions of people have gone before us uh, and today arrived from somewhere. The historical political situations, the ideolo ideological reflections of the human race, all the different technological innovations, all came from somewhere. We all stand on the shoulders of women and men who've gone before us, and we've learned from them. We stand both in the mud puddles of their mistakes, and we also stand in the proverbial on the shoulders of giants as we look into our own horizons of what we are doing here, uh, here and now. So knowing the past gives you a kind of situatedness of your own time and knowing how it arrived. Secondly, uh, history is very important for us to understand the image of God in humanity. Uh, the Bible says at the very beginning that in the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them in the image and likeness of God. Now, reflection upon the Imago Dei, that's Latin for image of God, if you've ever seen that around. Uh, we could get far afield here into a theology of what the image of God is. Let me just say this. Human beings were created to be like God in their representation of God's rule on the earth, and he's given us the faculties to function in that job. In other words, we are little vice regents on the earth reflecting the character and being and kingdom and rule of our creator. So some would say, well, image of God means we have motions, intellects, will, kind of a metaphysical makeup, ontological makeup. That is true, but we are like that in order for us to function in a certain way. In other words, to represent his rule and reign. Now, the interesting thing is uh, you can tend to look on people in the past as some strange creature that lived in 1382 or something. But the more you reflect on history and read historical works, you will find the very human nature from beginning to end of this great book of history uh, residing in us all, in all cultures, in all places, in all peoples, 
that we are all a shared humanity. And I do think we need to understand uh, the image of God, both globally, that all people who are created uh, share in the image and likeness of God, this function and role, and all people in all times also share this. And so you can see the brokenness and the flaws and the fears and all the things that make up us in all of us, both past, present, and well, you can't read future novels. We can read futurist novels where we can imagine what we'll be up to and what we'll be doing down these roads, but you really don't know. But understanding the image of God in our shared humanity can come through historical reflection. Number three, not only the past came from somewhere, uh, that we understand who we are, image of God, historically, it helps us to see well today. In other words, we grow in our understanding to see how the pieces of life are actually sewn together. Uh, you might use the analogy of a puzzle. Uh, some of your families may be like ours, where on certain holidays with family, we like to set up an old card table, and that's one of those rickety tables with kind of a semi-padded top that does a little bit, f- f- uh, not the most sturdy of tables, but it's wonderful for, say, a 500-piece or a 1,000-piece, or dare you, like a 5,000-piece puzzle. And every piece is kind of cut out and has a certain shape, and when you put the puzzle together, you start to see where they go. Oh, this is on the edge. Oh, this is a picture of the waterfall. Let me do all the waterfall pictures together. When you look at history, uh, it's very it's a very similar phenomenon. Just as that puzzle comes to be in a view of a, view, a beautiful picture, say of a waterfall, uh, history also begins to make sense as we piece the puzzles and the stories and the times and epochs together. So one of the things that I've really enjoyed about history is reading uh, era to era to era, E-R-A, uh, where you read in the Middle Ages and then you read in the early modern period. You le- read in the Renaissance period and all of a sudden you're reading in 19th century you know, Napoleon or something and all of a sudden you realize that runs right into uh, the modern era very quickly. An event uh, fits with event. And the things uh, that make us who we are march right on into the present. And we get to see the big picture of how history fits together. The past came from somewhere. Uh, and I mean, the past came from somewhere and gave us our today. Understanding the image of God historically. Seeing well now. Seeing how the puzzle pieces all fit together. And then finally, history is important because ultimately this is a story. And the author of history, all of history, is the Creator Himself. And so when we study history, we study the, the story of God. Uh, written in, in small places and small lives and grand visions and battles and leaders uh, from the cultures that are shaped and created all over the world, God has been at work throughout history redeeming and bringing back a broken and fallen creature to himself, bringing some people, right, from every tribe, tongue, and language together together as a new people belonging to him. We'll probably do a whole podcast on the the concept of what God is doing throughout history to save some 
because it's an error. It's a, a mistake, right, to say that God saves every person from every tribe, tongue, and language. That's not true. Some people don't like God, don't want God, reject God, are hell-bound uh, and determined to live apart from God now and forever. Uh, so every from every is not true. And and certainly it's also not true that uh, just every person from some tribes, this kind of ethnic favoritism perhaps that God might have, that's not true either. But what the scriptures do reveal to us in history, there will be some people from every tribe, tongue, people, and language on the earth brought together throughout history. God writing this wonderful story which culminates in the sending of his son, his death and resurrection for sin and sinners, for our justification, and then throughout time, post-resurrection, bringing together his church from all over the world that we deeply got to experience this past week in Berlin with our brothers and sisters from Acts 29. History is very—I I really do believe history is so important. It can lead us to a robust worship of God. Now, how do we go about learning history? Well, well, you take U.S. history, or you take world history, or you take European history in high school, Reed. That's how you learn history. I know my oldest just took AP European history in the in her sophomore year and absolutely loved it. And her her love of history through formalized schooling and learning has certainly been robust and growing. Or maybe you go to college. Go to college and take some history classes. Maybe you went to a college like mine, University of North Carolina, where they make you take a broad field of subjects. I couldn't just take all math and science as I would have preferred. I had to take some history and some philosophy and some literature and even a foreign language. I didn't take German, I can tell you that. Uh, my wife did. She's helping us uh, limp around here in East Germany where there's not as much English, but it sure is fun trying to communicate. But how today, like I'm, a, I'm an adult, some of you may be adults as well. Is your historical potential uh, expended after the 12th grade? Well, I don't think so. In fact, there is a beautiful, robust, growing literature of creatively written nonfiction uh, that can lead us into the halls of history quite well. So here are a few of my suggestions. I have five quick ones. Uh, learning history. Number one, read. <laughs> read. Start with good sources, even at the popular level. Grab some books, chew them up. I found that Audible, audible.com is an audiobook uh, subscription service that I subscribe to, certainly, and I mow down books of history, uh, pleasure reading through audiobooks, cutting the grass, working out, that kind of thing listening or reading good books. Number two, uh, as you learn history, think, think, reflect on the ideas of the people that you're reading about. What are their motivations? Why, why, why are they doing what they're doing? It's usually not that big of a puzzle. Now there might be some, well, he's just crazy. She's nuts. That's why they did that. Uh, but whole groups of people many times have similar motivations, uh, to us. And why are they doing this? What are their fears? Uh, what are the fears of the people? You, you realize when you think as you read history that the ideas and motivations and fears of people may be very similar to our own. So number one, read, think. Number three, read some more. I find that uh, I usually get on a certain time period in history and I'll read a book. Uh, and then I'm like, wow, I want to read some more about that history. So, for instance, the Crusades. The periods, you know, obviously from the time of Muhammad, 
you know, 600s uh, into around 1,000 A.D. Uh, Islamic armies ran roughshod over North Africa, the Middle East, into Asia, uh, into even the Iberian Peninsula, Spain and Portugal today. Uh, And then, you know, the the counter response of that of the Crusades throughout, uh, you know, 1000 A.D. till it's debated when the age of crusading actually ended, but hundreds of years of waves of crusading from Europe uh, in this great uh, time period where civilizations were forming and rubbing into each other and uh, carnage and bloodshed on all sides uh, were happening. So one book wasn't enough. I had to jump into more and more books on the Crusades as I wanted to get more of a panoramic view and these familiar places and battles and leaders and kings and caliphs come into sharper view. Read. Think about what you read. Ideas, motivation, fears. Read some more. Uh, Number four, learning history. Share with others. Share with others. Uh, If you're learning something about a period of time, talk to others about it. Talk to your friends. Talk to your roommates. Talk to your spouses. Uh, engage others who might know about these topics to learn from them as well. I found that reading lots of history enables you to talk about a lot of things. In fact, uh, it makes you a little bit interesting at parties. Um, some uh, subject is being discussed that you've actually read three books about. Um, now you have to be humble. You have to not just do a dump truck of all your facts and ideas that you crammed into your brain. Uh, but it is wonderful to share with others. I, I know my wife and I are hiking around here. Uh, we have robust discussions about different time periods in history. Right now we're talking about uh, colonialism and uh, the, the fleet of uh, the American fleet in the 1850s that drove into Tokyo, Tokyo Bay and uh, kind of uh, forcibly almost at gunboat brought Japan into, quote unquote, the modern era of colonialism and why the responses of the Japanese people and the Japanese empire was what it was. Obviously, they were fearing they would be taken over and colonized. Why? Why wouldn't they be afraid of that? And so rapid modernization, militarization is not as shocking as one might think. So read. Think about what you read. Read more. Share with others. And number five, one of the keys, I think, to learning history is to be entertained. And by that, I I really mean enjoyment, fascination, uh, delight in learning history and, and the stories and the peoples and the imagination that takes place as you're kind of portaled into other time periods to, to learn. We all know little kids, when they're fascinated with a subject, they tend to learn more and learn better. And we know that if we're interested in something, we tend to read and read more and think about it. And so I think entertainment uh, and the fascination of people in times and places in history can make us wonderful learners of historical things. Well, as we close out here today, I want to do a longish reviewish. That's right. Uh, that's right. Here on Don't the Gospel Underground, we do reviews, but not too into it. We do reviewish. Today, I just want to give a, a, a shout out to lots of authors and several books. I will put this in the show notes. If you're not familiar with our show notes, it's on our website with each episode, but also in your podcast player. If you swipe left or right, depending on your app, there will be links to websites, articles, books that we recommend and look at throughout each of these episodes. And today, you're going to find lots of historical authors. Uh, recommended, as well as various uh, specific books even. 
as we sign off today. So books and authors that I recommend in a quick, quick version. And these are all popular level, very available. You can find these in bookstores and also on audiobooks. Um, and they're widely read and respected both uh, as writers and his, his, historians. And so uh, I'm not talking about just a thousand page PhD guy tome that puts you to sleep. I'm talking these are great books. All right. First of all, the works of David McCullough. Some of you are familiar with David McCullough because of his work 1776 or his large work on John Adams. He's written a, a, a plethora of books uh, in American history. He's also have book, uh, books on, that I've loved on the building of the Panama Canal, uh, the building of the Brooklyn Bridge, fascinating book, uh, the Johnstown flood that took place in Pennsylvania, uh, the old Erie Canal where there was a lake formed by wealthy people on top of uh, a mountain, basically a part of the old Erie Canal, and basically just destroyed and killed more people than any, I think, natural disaster in American history. Um, and it was kind of a natural and human di- di- disaster. But David McCullough is a wonderful author. He reads some of his own books on audio, uh, and then also a, a great, uh, the late, recently passed away in the last year or two, Ed, Ed, Edward Herman reads a lot of David McCullough's books. He also has some books on Teddy Roosevelt. Um, so Edmund Morris, another author, uh, his Roosevelt trilogy on Teddy Roosevelt. He has three books, Edmund Morris, uh, wonderful books on the first Roosevelt president. Another author is Roger Crowley. Roger Crowley introduced me to the Mediterranean Sea battles between the Ottoman Empire and the Habsburg Holy Roman Empire. How about that? How about them apples? Uh, But Roger Crowley kind of does histories of seafaring peoples around the Mediterranean basis. So he has a a book on the fall of Constantinople, which is modern-day Istanbul in Turkey, right? He has a book on that. He has a book on the Venetians. If you've ever seen pictures of Venice, you know, the floating city, the canals and all that, where people go for love and all that today. Well, Venice was once a kind of a seafaring empire trading with the uh, the Muslim empire and Christian Europe and battling and doing all these things, great things, small and large there in Venice. So the Venetians, he's got a great book on that. He's got a great book on the Portuguese. You know, these little people on the on the on the corner of Europe that sailed all the way around Africa and went to Asia and disrupted the spice trade you know, the, the Venetians were kind of ruling on. So you can go get your own spice uh, boats filled up and go all the way around Africa and cut the market, man. You think Internet companies are the only ones that disrupt things. Well, the Portuguese became a seafaring empire by having the gall and gumption to go around Africa to have a different uh, delivery mechanism for spices that Europeans craved. And they also got blown off course. Why do you think Brazilians speak Portuguese? Well, how did that happen? David McCullough's book on the Portuguese uh, will tell you that. You got blown off course, didn't make it to Africa, but you ended up in South America. How about that? Another author I've really enjoyed is Candace Millard. Candace Millard is a is a lady who's written wonderful books on uh, Winston Churchill, T- Teddy Roosevelt, and and also also on President Garfield and how he was shot and assassinated, and also the fascinating science of of uh, antisepsis, where we didn't know really about how germs you know digging your finger unwashed and ungloved into an open wound, and how the president really died of a large cavity, the size of a watermelon perhaps, of infected nastiness uh, because they couldn't get the bullet out, and Alexander Graham Bell trying to invent inventions to find the bullet so they could get it out. Kenneth Millard's works are wonderful. Eric Larson. 
Eric Larson is a storyteller and an entertainer as he takes up various historical uh, things. He, The Devil in White City, wonderful book about the Chicago World's Fair and a mass murdering spree in Chicago at the same time at the turn of the century. Wonderful book. Uh, in the Garden of the Beasts by Eric Larson. about the time when the Nazis were taking over in Germany before they had kind of become a worldwide phenomenon. All the craziness that was going on. So there's a story of the American ambassador, I think's daughter, who was dating a Russian, uh, and all the things that were going on with brown shirts and the SS and all the things going on in uh, Nazi Germany before they began their marches in Europe. Eric Larson is a wonderful author. Now, there's two other authors I would recommend that are very pro-Western civilization. Now, I say that in advance because many times today, Western historians are very down on Western civilization. Like, everything bad came from, you know, Western civilization. Well, a lot of bad did. A whole lot of bad did. And I think honest history will own the things that were terrible, deplorable, that flowed out of Western civilization uh, but also, uh, there needs to be uh, those stating the case for all the good that flowed out of, say, Christendom or European civilization in the West. And so two authors that do that well, Niles Ferguson, uh, he's a British uh, scholar. Uh, he was at Harvard for a while, I believe. He's at one of the Oxbridge, Cambridge, I don't know which one, I don't have it before me, but Niles Ferguson. He has uh, a book called Civilization, The West and the Rest, very good. He has a book on the British Empire uh, that talks about how British made the modern world. Uh, fascinating read. Rodney Stark, who is a historian, sociologist at Baylor University. He's got a book called The Triumph of Christianity, which I think is fantastic. And he's got a book on the crusade called God's Battalions. Uh, which is very pro, actually, West uh, and, and the Crusades being a response of just war against uh, invasion. Uh, but I'll, I'll leave God's Battalion to you. It is controversial. And finally, another lady whose books I've really been blessed of, and you've probably seen perhaps the movies based on these work, Lauren Hillenbrand's two books, Seabiscuit, about the Depression-era horse race, uh, horse uh, horse named Seabiscuit that won all this uh, wonderful, wonderful horse races. Uh, there's a great movie based on that. And then finally, uh, her book uh, from about a decade ago, I guess, Lauren Hillenbrand's book Unbroken about Louis Zamperini uh, and his surviving in the Pacific arena, surviving at sea longer than anybody, I think, in history, in a raft, uh, and then uh, under internment in Japanese prisoner of war camps in the Pacific was recently made into a movie by Angelina Jolie. Fascinating. Uh, the movie is good. The books, both of these books, Seabiscuit and Unbroken, are way better than the movies. So jump on that. Also, particular uh, specific books, uh, one about African-American migration in the 20th century by Isabel Wilkerson, The Warmth of Other Sons, of the, about the migration of African-Americans into the West and the Northeast and the Midwest. Uh, a wonderful book that uh, shows the struggle to escape uh, some of the terrible conditions of the South um, and to, to have uh, another place to start again in other parts of America, Isabel Winkett, the, uh, Wilkerson, The Warmth of Other Sons. And then finally, my last book, uh, a review-ish, um, is a book called The Boys in the Boat by Daniel James Brown. This may be my favorite audiobook of all time. It focuses on uh, the world of rowing or crew, <laughs> uh, 
um, and regattas and things like that. Something I never did growing up, but fascinating, fascinating. Rowing was an East Coast, particularly a Northeast Ivy League kind of uh, sport. Uh, but two schools, UC Berkeley, also mentioned earlier in this episode, and then the University of Washington uh, in the 1930s uh, came on the national rowing scene. And this features the University of Washington rowing team and specific individuals throughout, coaches as well as athletes. And their arrival on the world rowing scene, not only the U.S. scene, but the world scene, and their competition in the 1936 Olympic Games in Germany. Well, we've come full circle to Germany, and here I've been reflecting on history. Final Review, those are some books. Uh, Final Review is a podcast review-ish. This is, if you like podcasts, if you like audio content, this is great. This is a podcast called Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. Uh, This guy puts out a new episode, I think, roughly every six or so, six, seven, eight months. So this isn't your weekly, you know, subscribe, listen to your 30 minutes a week kind of podcast. Uh, This guy does a deep dive, you know, grabs 20 books on a subject, and then he just kind of talks for four hours on various subjects. This current one that just came out this week is about uh, the Japanese Empire. Uh, He's had others uh, on uh, strange uh, Reformation kingdoms in, in Germany, uh, where people got end times crazy. Uh, he's had all sorts of things on the Celtic Holocaust, where the Romans literally uh, almost wiped out genocide on certain Celtic peoples. Uh, Carlin does a fantastic job, and it is riveting listening. If you like audio, you will like Hardcore History by Dan Carlin. Two final thoughts as we close out here uh, today. Uh, In our day, in our modern day, there is a lot of television and movies uh, based on historical characters and events. Uh, Some of these are so loose that they're utter distortions. So here's my take. Don't trust anything you learn historically on TV or and through movies. Now, if it's if it's a specific documentary, right? You might find something on Netflix, a documentary, well reputable. Uh, it might be very reliable, very accurate, even. But don't trust TV and movies until you do your own research. Even like uh, James Cameron's movie, recent movie Dunkirk. Um, I I've made sure I read a lot about Dunkirk uh, before I think, oh, this is all perfectly accurate. And it's pretty accurate. Uh, that particular movie, but the you know the history of Dunkirk sent beyond reading multiple books about that era, the Battle of Britain and Battle of Dunkirk. I read several books because of that. But if you watch some show on TV about the Templar Knights or something, don't assume that that's correct historically. There is a good book on the Templar Knights though that you could grab uh, from your library or Audible.com. And one last last suggestion in learning history, I found that uh, God's providence, that God guides history, right? God is the Lord over history. Uh, even in my own life has been enjoyable. Um, I read lots about World War II recently because of the anniversary of the, the evacuation at Dunkirk. Um, right now I'm reading about American submarine warfare in the Pacific against Imperial Japan. Well, and then just this week, uh, Hardcore History comes out with an ap- an episode on uh, the div- uh, story of a Japanese soldier who fought in the Philippines for 29 years after World War II. 
he finally came out of the jungles in his guerrilla warfare and su- surrendered his sword, as it were, to his World War II commanding officer who came in from Japan to tell him it was time to lay down his arms. Now, I just happened to go from Dunkirk to American submarine warfare uh, to Dan Carlin happened to take up on hardcore, hardcore history something about the Empire of Japan. All these things flowed together in my life, which was a wonderful wonderful occurrence of providence in itself well here's the reason why if somebody asked me what my favorite type of music is and listen friends i like the music i do but my answer is almost always my favorite type of music is audiobooks and podcasts well that's a wrap folks from here in rathen germany this is our first on location international podcast that I hope was a good part of your personal history. The Gospel Underground is a joint production of Power of Change and the Bonhoeffer House. Hey, please review us on iTunes. Five-star reviews are fully acceptable. And if you want to write a few paragraphs saying how awesome this podcast is and how it blesses your personal history, please do so. Send your comments, feedback, and questions that, you might take, that we might take up here on the Underground to info at gospelunderground.org. We are a dialogue taking place in the borderlands between the church and culture, and we hope to see you there. Peace. Avita Zane.